Hello, this is Javen Kuzisto with the Crossworks Media Podcast. We're coming again with another episode. Clayton will not be here today. He's on vacation again. So we have a special guest, my brother, Brandon Kuzisto. And so let's get started. Hey, how's it going, guys? I'm doing good, Brandon. How are you? I'm talking to them that are listening. Why? I don't know. Okay, so today we're just going to be... We're going to be kind of chatting about maybe Brandon's life. You know, he was... Well, let's just tell us tell us about yourself, Brandon. All right, my name is Brandon. Um, went to high school. <laughs> Almost joined the Marines. Well, I bet you're glad you didn't. Glad I didn't. <laughs> um, ended up joining the Army. It's gonna go reserves. I went up to Meps and changed it to active duty. I got was a medic and the airborne. Wait, you were going to go reserves? Yeah. I never knew that. As this. a diesel mechanic. Oh, boy. <laughs> and I so I went up to MEPS in Maine, and the guy looked at me, and he was like, we do need, he's like, we're supposed to be convincing you yeah. to stay reserves or guard because they're short, but he was basically like, you don't want to do that. <laughs> Nothing wrong with those. Right. But um, maybe he saw my, he saw some adventure in my eye or something. Do you, do you ever feel like you wish you would have went reserves rather than active duty? No. Why is that? Because. So, well, let's, well, let's, let's take us, well, let's go back in time to where your first time ever being in any sort of military thing at all, which would be, uh, we were in the U.S. Naval Sea Cadets, me and Brandon were, we served faithfully for one year. This is true. And it was, and if you guys, yeah, (laughs) if you guys don't know what the Sea Cadets are, it's kind of like boy scouts it's like boy scout boy scouts dressed in blue yeah and it's it's i mean it was cool i guess like you would so what you'd do is it was what once a month for saturday and sunday you'd go to it was at a school and you'd go to like drill they called it and you had uniforms and you'd go and you'd do all the stupid stuff and like the drill i shouldn't say stupid but um you'd you'd do like in the morning you'd get there and you'd stand before the flag what is it called i don't, I don't even remember it's all navy stuff <laughs> And then we just would march a lot, and we would do a whole bunch of fun stuff like that. So, but anyways, that was that was our first time, or not me, but Brandon's first time was the U.S. Naval Sea Cadet Corps. At the time, did you think you'd ever join the Army? I think so. Um, probably not the Navy. Just didn't want to get stuck on a ship. I was probably thinking Marines. Um, I don't know how old you were. I didn't drive there until later. Um, so I saw another two years. I think I was thinking about it. Um, and then I would have been in automotive probably at the time. That's when I started thinking about diesel mechanic because I thought I wanted to be a diesel mechanic. Um, so that was pretty cool. I guess we learned how to march, clear rooms, I don't know, just super random stuff. Um, I don't say it really set me up for the basic training and all that. That was probably just hard work at home if you can you can work hard that you yeah. can survive basic training it's pretty i want to say it's i don't know some people might put more value behind passing basic training than me or our culture but it, it wasn't too bad the hardest part of basic training or anything like that is just having to work with people you don't really get along with normally is there like a lot of idiots in the army <laughs> like a lot of 18 year olds yeah like example like so i go to work right and you just see all sorts of you know i work construction and 
there's just a lot of like dumb people around like at work and you would think that the military and even the police to some extent would be you know the best and brightest of the american people but you know i feel like there's just a lot of a lot of people will tote that oh i'm in the military like there's some like a cut above the average citizen and maybe intelligence or something would you say that's true is there a lot of dumb people in the army well i wouldn't say there's a lot i mean that's um if you're joining then you must have some amount of merit <laughs> right if you took you know the same person one one half of them went and one other half didn't i'd probably take the person that went to and went and survived all the training but i don't know i guess our definition of dumb or you know immature or whatever it could be changed a lot true but But yeah, there's definitely some characters. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, there's, now there's definitely people that get all the way through the training and they make a dumb decision, like doing drugs or flip out. Yeah, they leak through the cracks, but I'd say most people, it depends on your unit and your MOS, your job. Um, I was a medic, so you had to have a pretty high score on the tests. So most people there, 90%. You know, should have been there. There was a few characters that, you know, maybe they weren't the best and brightest. Right. You know, common sense, but they were super intelligent or the other way around. They were super, you know, whatever. I don't know. There's all sorts of characters. So, like, obviously, basic training, you're in with pretty much anyone, right? Any Anyone who joined up around the same time? Yeah. So, um, infantry, though, they go to... Fort Jackson, I think. No, Fort Benning. Well, yeah. I, infantry go Fort Benning. Their basic training is quote-unquote harder, more difficult, longer, whatever you mean harder is. But And then I went to Fort Sill, I believe. Yeah. And there's one other one. But So everybody, if you're not infantry, you go to one of those two. Or the other two, not Fort Benning, but the yeah. other two bases. I'm pretty sure it's Fort Benning. Um, so Fort Sill and the other one. But it's called soft core MOSs, so you... The ones that are more support. So basically... Like non-combat. Yeah, well, that's what they say, but some of those people still see combat. Like a combat medic. Or, yeah, healthcare specialist. Well, then some of them end up in hospitals. You never know. Yeah. But they're like, in military police, you know, they still can go see combat. And forward observers. I don't know if forward observers are infantry. I don't remember if there's any forward observers or anything like that. Or a radio. No, radio's more of like a sub job. I don't know. So you went to basic training, then you went to the what is it, medical school or what, what do yeah. you call it in the military, in the army? Well, that was just sixty-eight whiskey training at Fort Sill. There's a lot of different medical jobs. There's sixty-eight Sierras and sixty-eight Charlies. I don't. Know. There's tons of different things, dentists, everything you think of. So basic training was, I don't remember how many nine weeks maybe. Yeah, something about right. Something it's like, like that. summer to fall, and then. I went to Fort Sam Houston, yeah, because I was at Fort Sam Houston for Christmas, so I left in July, the start of everything. I think I was done in like September, November. Yeah. Went over to Fort Sam Houston, I was there for Christmas break, and then I was there till about March or April, then I went to airborne training in Fort Benning. Was then, the, Sam Fort Sam Houston, was that the longest you were at? Yeah, 16 weeks. 16 weeks, and then you went to airborne school, which is what, three weeks? Two or three Two or three, yeah. two or three weeks of running, <laughs> yeah, a couple of days of jumping out of airplanes. Yeah, because me and me and mom came and 
watched you graduate. Yep. And you guys might have seen me jump. I'm not sure, but I know you guys were there when you did see people jump. Yeah, we didn't ever, we didn't pick you out, but we we pulled up to that field and we watched you yeah. all land. Because I walked up, run. didn't I? You guys were all there, right? Yeah. Um. There was like I think we watched you twice, maybe or something. Yeah, it's hard. To, you can't tell who's who when you're. Yeah, there. they're all you know, helmets and just cameras. balloons floating down. <laughs> yeah. So then, after you graduated all your training. Then you went what to Fort Bragg, and then eighty second Airborne. And you had a lot of fun there, hey. It was pretty fun. Well, how how hard was Airborne school? Just running, <laughs> like how? But like physically. I mean, if you're coming out of any other training, most recruits easily. I mean, there's a PT test, but you have to practice. I mean, there's a two mile. I think the only reason why I was probably was going to be one of my fastest two miles, but my I don't know. I had shin splints really bad. I still just did it finished it and then um i remember doing the push-ups and for some reason it was so hard to do push-ups i don't know why um because i did them fine right before we left but for the other pt tests but there's other people there that um were in units and then got an airborne assignment and then had to go yeah so there was all sorts of ranks and there was other um you like there's the marines there and yeah, different Air Force maybe. So we had like a Marine guy in our thing who ran our little bay. But it wasn't very difficult. It was just a lot of running. So like, if someone who actually wanted to be an air or a paratrooper in the eighty second, they joined up, went through basic training, and they had you know a moderate physical ability or athleticism, they should be doing it fine. Like yeah. they should be able to get through fine. So actually, speaking of that though, so I got I got airborne. In my orders, from the very beginning. Yeah. So even if I was, I, well, I was pretty scrawny. I was probably like 130 pounds. I was coming out of track and cross country. Yeah. Super underweight. I could run fine. Um, so I looked like some scrawny. I probably was for my entire army career. <laughs> pretty scrawny. So you know you have this, you know, quote unquote combat medic who's just some scrawny 18 year old, 19 year old. But that's, you know, they get it right in a lot of the movies. Just kids out there. But, so there was other people in basic training who were way more fit, way more active, and they didn't have it in their orders. Yeah. And so there's a chance, and they had like some, I remember they had something at the end of, right near the end of basic training, that if you did so well, you could get picked to go airborne or something like that. They had like three open spots or something like that. Yeah. But most of us that went from air, right out of basic training had it in our orders to begin with. Yeah. And most of, or almost all of us ended up in the 82nd or in Germany. Yeah. Um, or wherever the other base is, 173rd. Um, yeah, so I got, so I back to, way back to MEPS when I was up there. And he's like, hey, you want to check out active duty side? He asked me what I wanted to do. And I was like, well, medic would be sound pretty cool. And he was like, anything else before I make the phone call? And I was like, well, airborne or rangers. I did my research and I know that you you want to do it you have to have in your orders yeah otherwise you're gonna be dreaming and praying that you make it in later yeah so i asked for airborne rangers because there was some people that had ranger orders yeah which you're going to airborne anyways um and he couldn't get me rangers he made a phone call but he got me airborne and i was happy with that yeah so it worked out pretty well so i want to go back to boot camp you know you Went into boot camp. Was it 2016, 17, around there? 2015. 
15, yeah, because it was right, beso- right before the election. So, uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, you were like Hillary or Trump. <laughs> but either way, <laughs> yeah, you're like, no one knew what to expect with either of them or who was going to win. So, but either way, you know, modern boot camp or basic training gets a pretty bad rap for being, you know, soft, core, easygoing. Mm-hmm. Was that for you? Like, how was your drill sergeants? Were they pretty tough on you? So, yeah, we heard the, we heard like coming in before we went over there, they called across the tracks or something like that, but that we had like these stress cards that you could pull out, you know, if you're getting stressed, yeah. you need to go and you're, we didn't have those. <laughs> right. That was just a lot of crap. <laughs> yeah. I mean, maybe they have them somewhere else, but, and I'm not saying Fort Sill is some, you know, bravado, yeah. hard, you know, tough thing. It really wasn't, but. Um, there, I can assure you there's no stress cards or safe spaces or, you know, there was moments that like we'd have like a little more personal class with our instructor or drill instructor. Yeah. Like we'd talk about certain stuff and it was just us in a classroom, but that wasn't like a safe space. I don't know. No one was crying. And stuff. <laughs> right. But speaking of like tough wise, you know, cause I know a lot of the infantry guys will just kind of dump on our basic training and say that, you know, soft core MOS is so easy. Yeah. It, I mean, it was easy. They're not wrong, but to my, in my defense, in my personal experience, I'm pretty sure all of our drill instructors were infantry. Yeah. And were deployed. We had a ranger drill instructor. We had a um, female engagement team. She was our main drill instructor, multiple, you know, big red one, all these other guys, uh, 82nd airborne with a mustard, stain yeah that means you had a combat jump um i think it was the last the last combat jump into panama or something like that wow i don't know but yeah he was also the guy that he didn't wear a gas mask in the gas chamber the entire time and he was breathing fine i don't know i remember (laughs) he would literally just walk around without a gas mask in there (laughs) i mean inside he was probably just holding his breath i don't know so i won't say it was easy but um they definitely they made it more exciting. I couldn't imagine if it was just a bunch of, you know, like Intel guys. Right. Going at it. Like, come on. Like, there was, I think there was a few, we call them um, fuzzies or whatever. They don't have deployment patches. Yeah. Then <laughs> again, nothing wrong with that because deployments are pretty rare nowadays. But most of them were deployed, seen action, were probably had a lot of PTSD. So they made it interesting. They yeah. made it tough. Yeah. Yeah, because I think like Business Insider does these videos of like, what do you go through during Army basic training mm-hmm. or Naval basic training? And I wonder, and they kind of make it, I shouldn't say they make it look soft, but I wonder if, if, the, if the news crews are there filming, the drill instructors take it a, a little bit easier, you know what I'm saying? To um, maybe try to get recruitment goals or recruitment numbers up, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I've seen some of those videos and... Um... I just know when there's when there's stuff people are gonna act as professional as possible, regardless. Yeah. You know there might be some stuff that happens that. You know whatever I mean. But, another thing to think about is, they more like get into your head, so you like, you almost think it's worse than what's really happening. I don't know. Right. Um, like people have crawled across fields and we did the, I'm up. They see me. I'm down. You know. Yeah. And ate our food in three minutes and that's i'm not saying you know that was so difficult no it wasn't you just did it yeah you know we had like our 12 mile ruck and this and that and people just survived but like they're not 
I mean, maybe in the infantry they're there just to make you miserable. Right. But those guys do have to be a little more, I guess, tough. Right. Um, and but the thing to think about is like, you know, one day we were throwing a grenade. Well, the next day we we're doing a, a wall repel. Then we're going to the gas chamber once, and then maybe it was twice. I don't know. Then we're at the range to qualify. So it's like every day is a, there's a there's like a whole curriculum. It's not just make your life miserable. And I know the Marines have the hell week, and that is just a week to make you miserable. Yeah. So we didn't have anything like that. Um, but we definitely had our fair share of, you know, push-ups and this and that. and Yeah. A bunch of kids were having a massive pillow fight, and we just, they got the drill sergeant on, on staff duty or whatever it was. Just had to stand out on the drill pad for like a couple hours because he'd just come out and be like, who did it? It was like, anything. well, he had us all bring down our pillow because the pillow blew up. Oh, I mean, most yeah. of us were sleeping. I think it was just a few little rowdy kids. But he just walked in. There's just pillow. There's feathers down there. <laughs> and I remember like that was like getting to people, and like the rest of us were just like, whatever. We're just gonna like who like what? Where else do we have to go? You right. Know? In reality, like we're just gonna even if we stayed out here till the morning. Oh, we just go to PT and eat breakfast. Like yeah, we'd be so tired. But it's not like the next day is just push-ups all day, or yeah, or you know, yeah, maybe we had like an obstacle course, or we had some certain class, or we're—I don't even remember the days. Kind of just went by, but so I just summary real quick. I don't think basic training, like I think most people go in the expectation that it's gonna be really hard, and it's not. Like it's not meant to be super difficult, but it definitely sifts out. A lot of the people, not a lot, but people. There was people that couldn't do 13 push-ups, and they weren't. Yeah. They become a holdover, and you get stuck in this vicious cycle of just staying there forever. Yeah. Um. So definitely, like, you want to get there fit at least. And if you're doing, like, the proper thing where you meet your recruiter, I think I was going to the recruiting station, like, once a week to do some PT. Yeah. Runs, push-ups, sit-ups, just to get ready. Yeah. Because um, I think you have to... There's like three PT tests, and you have to pass like the last one or two of them or something like that. But overall, yeah. So then, okay, let's go back. So you graduate Airborne School. You are you are you're stationed in Fort Bragg. Yeah. Well, first you get the you get to your base, and you go to in pro everywhere you go. You go to in processing first, usually, which yep. is like getting all your information, make sure all your paperwork's good, getting this, getting that, you know, and all your medical all your dental that's gli all that stuff um so that was like for a week or two at the soldier support center and that was pretty miserable yeah i didn't have a car i didn't have a smartphone back then <laughs> i had an ipod and i listened to the walking drum i think it's 24 or 48 i think it's a 24 hour book yeah that's what i did for fun i didn't have any of my friends yeah and then finally one of my buddies got a car at like a 30% interest rate. Wow. <laughs> I don't know, but he was so sick of it and he didn't have family clothes. Yeah. Like, what else are you going to do? So he just bought a little Nissan Sentra. Then we started bombing around Vietnam. So it made it a little better. Yeah. So, like, what do you, when you get stationed, you're, that's not deployed, obviously. That's just no, stationed. No. What do you, like, what do you do? So, what did you do? All right. So, after in processing, you go to your unit and depending on your unit, it could vary. So, our unit, I got deployed. We were into the 82nd, so it's all mostly all infantry uh, battalions. Yeah. Um, so there's three. 
where am I? Oh, three brigades. So three, so 82nd, and they have three brigades. And the, I think I'm getting this right. Yeah, the Falcons, the Devils, and the Panthers. And then each brigade has like maybe, let's see, like seven or eight companies, I'm pretty sure. Um, so depending, yeah, no, not companies. I don't know, I'm getting all mixed up, but depending where you go, I was an infantry unit, um, attached, so I was HHC company in the, I'm pretty sure it's battalion. I don't know, I'm, it's been a long time, but anyways, so what do I do? Yeah, like what, when you're in Fort Bragg, you're in yeah, the 82nd okay, so Airborne. Like a typical day in the 82nd Airborne um, infantry unit, it could be uh, artillery, you know, it could be whatever, um, support or something. So you wake up, you go to, I don't even know what it's called, <laughs> it's been so long. <laughs> but yeah, you, you know, you salute the colors or whatever, and you start PT, PT, then you go to breakfast. Um, PT's like, is it 6.30 to 7 or 6.30 to 8 or something? I don't know. Yeah. And then breakfast, to, breakfast come in at 9. And then depending what you do. So infantry guys would probably be doing weapons maintenance. And so you have to look at it like a whole year schedule. We were on a training cycle. Yeah. So, and then each brigade is on a cycle itself too. So you have one brigade that's on call basically. This is this is only pertaining to the 82nd, maybe a few other runs out there, bigger units. So one unit was on call, one call, one was on like rest and one was training. And mm-hmm. so when I got there we were training. We were in like the training phase, we'll call it. So we were going to Fort Sill and we were doing we were prepping to go to Fort Sill, not Fort Sill, Fort Polk. Yeah. Um Yeah. In Louisiana. So yeah. basically, I got there, and like a few weeks later, we were out camping in the woods, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, doing training, doing lanes, run, you know, everyone's running around their guns. You're, and as medics, you know, we're, as an evac thing, we're setting up our little tent behind the, the main line, and we're pushing the objectives, and we're out there for a week. And then a couple of weeks later, you know, you're out there again, and you could be jumping in, you could be doing whatever and as medics we were always pulling coverage so uh, anytime there was any sort of major ruck mark ruck march or jump medics had to be there so that's what we were always doing and then our also another one of our responsibilities was keeping everyone medically ready so everyone's mm-hmm. getting their vaccines we're checking on the guys making sure you know their boo-boos and scratches are fine they're drinking their water so yeah it's just basically you're always prepping and training you're on call, and you're always just prepping and training. Yeah. And then you're resting, so you kind of have some off time. You're inventorying. Oh, it can keep you busy, and there's some days you do nothing. There's other days you're there till 11 o'clock at night. So then you, you got deployed to Iraq. So how did that happen? Like, how did you know, or when did they tell you that you were going to Iraq? So when I first got there, they were like, our unit never deploys. <laughs> that's what um, they said? Yeah. Like, yeah. that's like the rumors floating around. Yeah. That particularly second brigade never deployed we never were going to deploy everything like that yeah um that, so that was like the that was the talk around among the guys yeah my platoon sergeant we got there and he's like we're deploying yeah so you're just like well all the guys are saying we're not so we were training 
um, I don't remember the exact timeline. I remember we went to um, Fort Polk, which is down in Louisiana. I'm pretty sure I might, I might be just mixing everything up. But so we did like a major, after our whole cycle, training cycle, running our lanes, we went and fought them, which is Geronimo, um, whatever, Matt, like long time, like a month down there. Came back, and I think it was like the summer, that next summer of 2016. So it went pretty fast. Yeah. No, so that'd be 16. So it would be 17, I believe. Yeah, because you can't. I have a picture pulled up here. This is September 20th, 2017, when we saw you come back from Iraq. September. So, and you were in Iraq for what, three months? Four yeah. months? Yeah. Okay, like that. so. Yeah, so I got out of basic training. Went to basic training 2015. In like September, got yeah. to my unit, got to Fort Bragg in like April 2016. We went to Louisiana that summer. Everything happened, and then we were deploying. Um. That in January. Yeah, it went by fast. So then there was the whole deployment phase and just checking everything, getting everyone ready, and and then they were like, um, everyone's going, but we only need half the medics super weird um yeah so think you'd want all of them so it was like january comes around all the boys leave and there's half of hhc over it's basically just medics a few of us kicking around like yeah 20 of us all the other people that were hurt or didn't want to go or however got their way out of it so that was january and um that was super weird base like our side of it was like super empty mm-hmm still had to do a pt and everything it was just a joke yeah um super dumb because you're like oh, i wish i could be over there and then word got that our our lieutenant was like he's like he's gonna try to like switch us out get us over there because they're actually getting some pretty awesome training over there yeah and just to help us out so the more senior of us because we were only privates at the time and we had more guys come in when they were over there yeah um couple i don't know some of us went over with the new sergeant major that came in so i went so it was january maybe they i think they left in january maybe it was march or something but i i left in july maybe yeah that makes sense i see january february march april may june july yeah something like june or july or may or something yeah i went over actually have a picture of my phone but um so yeah, that's how we got over to Iraq. So like, what was the 82nd Airborne doing in Iraq? Were they just on a base? Or? Yeah, so our our little mission thing, if, if we had little hats, I guess, <laughs> if we had little hats that were made, Yeah. was Operation um, was it Inherent Resolve or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Operation Inherent Resolve. And yeah, I don't have any pictures of my phone at all the dates you know we're basically there to is a command and assist mission so we're not there to fight this is when isis was taking over Missoula and everything so we were a couple miles probably back well once i finally kind of got to my place you know we flew in to kuwait and you kind of in process quote unquote over there make sure you have all your and before this it's a long process just to even ship out because you're doing all your paperwork you're getting all your deployment gear you're getting your weapon ready to ship overseas you know and you're and i remember flying out terrell was there 
we're leaving. So we get to Kuwait and it's 120 degrees and you're just doing whatever and then you move up to the next place which I don't know, there's just some fob or something like that. A little closer to the action. Um, I think we just flew in there on C-130 maybe. And then we helicoptered up to this town called Badouche. Um, no, we actually didn't do that. Yeah, maybe we did. No, we drove up to Badouche from this other forward operating base. Yeah. And that's where we did some like just there wasn't really much going on. We were kind of close to the front line-ish, not really. Uh-huh. But we were kind of like an artillery outpost. And our PA and all the medics were there. And we did like some more training because he wanted to make sure we were ready to see some stuff. Um, because we weren't fighting anybody, a lot of the infantry guys, they were kind of doing little patrols and stuff. And they were trying to rotate us through this medical, forward medical little space. space. Just, I think it was two or three miles south of Missoula. Yeah. So they kind of acted as an overflow. So um, the Iraqi Special Forces and ISIS were battling it out. There was these brave volunteers and these the Iraqi medics would ship them, put them in ambulances and ship them down to the hospital. Once they overflowed, they'd ship like, the bad ones to us. Yeah. The ones that could probably survive because there's no point of taking people that are dead Yeah. at our place, especially on a U.S. base or a FOB or whatever. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's about... So I got there, and I was probably there for like a month. It was called, I don't know if I probably should say the name, but yeah, it was a couple, if I, if I see a map, I can, I can point to where I was because yeah. we had a little map. Um, so yeah, so I saw probably over 300 people, 300 casualties. I just tell people ranging from, um, they hit their head on a door, <laughs> some guy hit his head on a door and came in yeah. to dead. So, right. Or to like, they're basically dead. Like, they're just, I don't even know why they brought him there. He was wrapped up in rags and gray. Yeah, and they, these are all Iraqis, yeah. right? Yeah, so. Yeah, so since America, like, we weren't fighting ISIS, you know, the whole typical can't fire till fired upon, they would not fire on us. Yeah. Because they know that we'd just get, they'd just wipe them out. And I'm sure there might have been small little spats, but I, I never seen any American soldiers come in there. That's where they would have been. Right. Um, so the only different thing that ever happened was these reporters got hit. They hit an ID. IED? Yeah. Yeah. So IED, they set it off or something. So they came in and that was pretty traumatic because just, it was just so different from, you know, Iraqi. They're speaking a different language. It's almost unreal. Like it almost doesn't feel real. Right. When you can't even understand what they're saying and you're just helping them out, whatever. But when you come in you know, yelling in English and stuff, the language that you understand saying they have kids and it makes it a little more real. Yeah. Yeah. Some pretty tough stuff to deal with. So you were, you were just essentially helping out in, in like a hospital or something when you could. It was or? just, um, nope. It was a little base that we, it's kind of like a joint base between the Iraq, Iraqi special forces and a bunch of U S conglomerates and other international conglomerates or units. But um, it was just these four tents. It was kind of like an ER little room um, where they first would come in and do an assessment. There was an overflow room with storage. The tents weren't very big. Probably fit like eight cots. So yeah. Four and four. I just hit that thing. That's okay. Um, so four on each side with some stuff in the back. Um, 
and then overflow with like a couple with a bunch of storage and then the surgery room which was one like a one thing surgery unit all sterile yeah and then the last one was um a lot of the iraqi medics or nurses slept in there's like a few of them yeah and it was kind of right outside of where like the main entrance would be so we had like our own little entrance blast area and so it was interesting but we were pretty safe i mean i went i was never really fearing for my life there yeah we were surrounded by these massive i think they're called hesco barriers yeah i think there's navy seals there a bunch of other special forces and other units in and out and we were a couple miles south yeah of and they were getting pushed north into i believe syria and stuff so you weren't you were only there for a month or two right there uh, yeah at that particular place yeah, and so were you you were one of the people that didn't get deployed right away, right? Yeah. So you you said that half the medic stayed or something? Were you, yeah. You were the half that stayed? Yep. Because I remember when you got deployed, and then when you're coming back, like, wow, that's soon. But that's because your unit had already... Yeah, they've already yeah. been over there for six months or five months before we even got there, which um, a lot of people said we had the dream deployment. <laughs> right. Because we went, we came, we saw, we conquered, we literally... We went over there, did our job, hung out a little while, and went home. Um, a lot of those guys that were there for all the whole nine months, towards the end, they were just so sick of it. Like, obviously, like, yeah. nine months, that's a long time. And even back in the day, a year, two years, like that's, that can get pretty brutal. And they're, um, not, and they're not even really doing anything, right? They're just well, patrolling? Well, that, that's probably made it worse. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I mean, some of them were pushing into the cities, and they were doing... But it hits the point where it's like, you know, you're eight months in... Yeah. And it's like, what's the point of being here? You know? Yeah. And there, there is a, you know, a broader sense of why are you there? But yeah. And so after, after that particular place, I went over to the base in Erbil, um, where I was part of the quick reaction force as their medic. Yeah. And I was, kind of, that's where I kind of took over another medic's place. And he taught me and trained me a lot there. Cause we had a kind of a lot of time in between our little training cycles um yeah so yeah so the qrf that's that's is that part of the the 82nd airborne aren't they the qrf we're kind of like the um i guess you could call it that i forgot what was the real (laughs) the real um name for it but essentially yeah the 82nd itself is like america's guard of honor it's the unit that can get deployed in 18 hours or 36 hours so that's what I mean, like when you're on training rotations and then you're on call. Yeah. Um. So like when Hurricane uh, Katrina hit, like they were, they got called up, they whirled up and went over there. Yeah. So we were not on call. We weren't like emergency called up. Yeah. Um. Because we'd always train to jump into combat in like 36 hours or 18 or 24 hours or something like that. But when we, our deployment was more, a little more scheduled, even though it kind of still came out of the blue. Yeah. And you were, so you were just a QRF on that base? Yeah, so or it was just, yeah, it's a little base in our, we were the QRF for the whole region. And that's the quick reaction for yeah. us in case something happens. So basically you're in the movies and they're in a big firefight and they're calling for backup. We you're were the backup. We were the backup. We had the ammo, we had food, we had water. I had two medic bags and me. <laughs> and an M4. And an M- one M4. No. We had two Chinooks with two M-Razors or side-by-sides. Yeah. One was kitted out medically wise for me. Um, and it was towing a trailer full of food and water. 
The other one is kitted out radio stat stat wise, whatever, with grenades and ammo. So So these are literally Polaris side by sides that are yeah, upgraded for the military. Diesel. I'm pretty sure they're GP8 oh, yeah. ran up diesel. Yeah. Pretty heavy duty because they're pulling a lot of weight. Yeah. Yeah, we'd back them right on the Chinooks. No, we didn't back the trailers on. We'd just chuck as much stuff as we could into them, I'm pretty sure, because yeah. the trailer wouldn't fit. And they're like the Jeep, the Willys, you know, back in World War Two. Yeah. Just open top. Essentially. Yeah. yeah. No top. Yeah. Open top. Took many rides on those, doing our little training things. Yeah, because we'd, we'd get like fake calls. Yeah. Middle of the night. And talk about stress, you know. <laughs> you don't know if it, we'd, we'd go be, we'd be flying, then they'd just turn around. We wouldn't know. You'd be on the ship. They wouldn't say if it was, nope, we'd be sprinting. Struck all your stuff on middle of the night. You're racking around. Well, not right then, but so what do they say to you? Like, are you sleeping? And then they're like, "All right, well, they go." Basically, this is how it kind of worked. It's how it kind of worked because we had the talk, which was like this little tent, kind of in the middle. There was a bunch of other people there. There Tons of different units and stuff, Um, and private contractors, but. We had this little center command building with all these TVs and radios and stuff. And basically, it would come up over there. We'd Someone would come in and be like, hey, we got to you know, we gotta go. And then that person, one of the times I was the runner, which sucked. Yeah. I was there. Because not only, I, I have to go get all my medical stuff. It was ready, but I had to get it all on and make sure I, you know, we're ready to roll. Which we, we were, but, you know, you still want to do some triple checks. But one time, I like, kind of get the call. And I had to run. Like, you had to run into the DFAC because the DFAC was open late. And people could go eat cereal at 2 in the morning if they wanted to. Yeah. So, check the whole DFAC. When it was pretty big. It was like four tenths. So, I'm sprint over there. I have to sprint and wake up the, I'm pretty sure it was the, um, the Seaburn guys. Go wake up the pilots, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. You basically had to go wake up everybody. It sucked as the runner. And by the time you get back to your guys, they're already geared up because the other guy ran right there. Yeah. And so I'm the medic, you know, like, crap. Like, just chucking all my stuff on, ch- make sure I have all my stuff. And I'm kind of getting yelled at, bitched at, because, you know, oh, it just sucked. It was just the amount of stress. just blows. And then you run over to the flight line, and they're turning the birds off. And you're like, oh, friggin' for what? <laughs> <laughs> or the opposite, you all load up. You're saying your, you know, goodbye prayers, and you're clipping in, and they take off, and you're just like, you know, it's all night and yeah, you know, middle of the night, Chinooks, everyone's got their night vision ready to roll. Then your your heart's bounding out of your chest. Yeah, you can hear people going, you know, and that's how you know. But then they just do a little Yui. Yeah. Um. So we never. So I've never. I've never went on a real call. We almost did, and you know, you can take what I'm about to say, whatever. But supposedly. I think this one thing called a, a shadow or something, a big drone. It's I think it's handheld. Yeah. Yeah, maybe three feet. I think it went. I'm pretty sure it was that something like that it went down, and they and they it was a suspected minefield. And they wanted to send us to go get it. <laughs> maybe someone who was just you know so bored wanted to go. I'm, I'm like, uh, it wasn't my call, but I'm just telling everybody like. We're all gonna die if we walk across the minefield. Right. Like I'll just sit in the back, <laughs> and uh, with a single file this to go get the shadow, you know. But they ended up sending their unit with some dogs or a drone or something. Yeah. And I don't even think it was a minefield. But then weird, super weird thing happened. 
So we were a few day, we were a few days out. And if you ever watched um, Hurt Locker, basically the whole movie is like ticking down till they leave, till like Bravo's rotation's done. Yeah. And that was literally us. We were Bravo, and I think the hundred first or somebody, hundred first or tenth mountain's coming take over our spot. So basically, like this rotation was just always filled by some unit. It wasn't we didn't have to be airborne. We didn't have to be anybody. You know. Yeah. So. 10th Mountain was taking over us in like a, a couple, like five days. So we had like five days left. Um, and then I got orders to go home. And our other medic are left. So we have this whole infantry platoon with no medic. Because I'm like, every, my, my platoon sergeant's like, you can't leave. I'm like, I don't want to. But right. uh, here's my orders. Like, I, I can't, you can't. You know, fight against that. I went and talk to these higher ups, and they were pissed too. Um, but I, I had to leave, so I was packed all my stuff up. All hasta la vista. You know, here's my aid bag. I, I let one of the guys there was uh, an EMT. There's two couple. You know, people that are medically proficient. Um, and I, I had an extra aid bag, and I just left it with them. Had yeah. Tons of stuff, and I was like, well, make you guys. You guys all been trained in CLS, so good luck. Super weird. So I leave. Super long story process. Kind of sucked going home. The next night, they get a real call. They whirled up. I missed it. And they went. And they Someone was calling for backup. And they all went out there. And the story, as the story goes, I believe it was special forces got into a big firefight. And I think they were just calling for backup just to, you know, why not? We can, yeah. We can use it. Um, so they got there and the fight was done. But they all just went, like, just in case it was a counterattack or something. As the story goes. Um, yeah. Who knows <laughs> if any of this is true. But So they all like fan out, whatever, make the big security circle, and they kind of just held it down. I don't think anything happened after that, but they woke up, and there was, there was some dead bodies around them of the enemy. So. Yeah. So a big fight did happen, and they were just on the cusp of it. Um, yeah. So, so that was super weird. Who gives you orders? Like, you say you got your orders, but from who? I don't even know. It's weird. Is it, like, from way up it's, top? It's way up top. Is it like, hey, you know, we need, or what I would think is maybe some colonel or some general's like, hey, we need medics, and he just tells his underlings, hey, get the medics from here, and they just pull you. I'm thinking what happened was, since, a, like, I'll call him, like, the group that was with us that went late. Yep. I don't think we were really, not that people didn't want us to be there, but I think that's kind of how it was. Like, we were just, we were there off of a really good convincing talk from somebody. Right. Like, that's the only reason why we were there. Okay. You know, we I didn't have to be there. There was still a medic, like, that I took over. Like, he could have just stayed. Yeah. But someone schmoozed somebody else and got, and like, thank you. Thank you for whoever did the schmooze. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was our lieutenant. To try and get so you if guys. if you're listening to this, yeah. thank you very much, sir. Um, cause he got us in. So when they're ex, when they're ex filling, I'm pretty sure it's called when they're getting us out, they're like, get these guys out of here. But I'm pretty sure, I don't remember positively, but I'm pretty sure at that time, like the other medic had already left too. Yeah. But it was, it was only a few days. The likelihood of needing the quick reaction force bare minimum. And they would have been fine. They had a lot of guys, I, you know, me and the other medic. Him especially trained him really well. He's he's with them for years. Yeah. Um. But yeah. So orders came. Like I got the. T- I someone from my command told me. And um. 
like once that once you get the official paper you're going yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's just the way it is and it was the same paper that i got from maps same paper that i got you know you're going to the 82nd airborne here you go yeah so who knows way up there pulling the strings but yeah and then i just it was the long process home i ended up on i got super lucky again kind of unlucky at first i got put on baggage detail if anyone knows what the day is you know it sucks so in kuwait so we had a whole airplane a commercial airplane i'm pretty sure it was 353 yeah. So however many people that is, a massive airplane, and I think there were about twenty of us that had to move all the bags. For everyone. For everybody, manually, physically, <laughs> <laughs> um, just to make the process go faster. Yeah. Because we had to send everyone through customs, so they all had to go through the buzzer, and they all had to send their bags through to check for other sketch stuff, um, you know, war trophies and whatnot, and extra grenades that people had forgotten literally they found grenades but it wasn't anything you know mischievous it's just really tired and now people are yeah coming through so super weird because i ended up running back into my platoon when i was was on baggage detail my platoon going through so they were just or the platoon i was with so they were only like five days later yeah Um, so however it happened i don't know why but i was out there a few earlier days than them but then so all these people go through customs. We're helping move their bags through all the buzzers. And then they're like, hey, the truck's not here to bring them to the airport. Throw them in that Connex. We filled an entire Connex and a half. Some bags. Yeah. Some people had like, most people had like three big green duffel bags. Yeah. Some people had more. Wow. Especially like commanders or had these big black totes that are just so heavy. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm pretty sure it was like a Connex and a half or a full Connex or something like that or half con. I don't remember. And then literally, like, for chucking the last few bags, guess what pulls up? The truck. The truck. And so you then load the truck up. Load the truck up. And, th- and it's like 120. We're dying. And this is in Kuwait? Yeah, Kuwait. Yeah. I'm going home. And then we, like, kind of go to the airport, and then we had to unload them. Um, and then they're waiting for the airplane. I'm pretty sure we unload them. Or maybe they just stayed in the truck. I don't know. Maybe we put them on these baggage things. I don't remember. It was such a haze. But we, I remember sitting on this bus because we had like a couple hours to wait for the airplane. And all, just the baggage details, chilling on this bus. I don't know where everybody else was. And I fell asleep. And there was a kid sitting like close in the window seat. So I'm in the aisle seat. And I fell asleep just sitting there. Uh-huh. And I woke up. And I was surrounded by officers. Big, you know, big wigs. Yeah. And I was like, like what is, no one woke, I didn't know anybody there yeah. personally. Like I just met these cronies. No one woke me up. They just left me. And I'm like in a panic. I'm like, get me out of here. Right. So I'm like looking and I'm like, hey, you guys know where the baggage detail is? And they're like, oh, they're right there by the airplane. Yeah, it's a pretty good runaway. So I just boogied out there. And they're loading the last few bags on. So I just zip into there. And some person was like, oh, there you are. I'm like, like looking at him. I'm like, yeah. we, we can wake me up. <laughs> I almost just, I was like, crap my pants. Yeah. Um, There's like no like you know the typical whatever it's called you know make sure everyone's there yeah accountability yeah it's just random detail they kind of just like oh you 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 yeah like you front row go and then i so i snuck in there and the command like the general or whoever is there he's like all right you guys did a lot of hard work <laughs> and he was like you guys all go sit in first class and i was like i died i'm like <laughs> i like, missed that by the skin of my teeth 
I'm like, I felt kind of bad at first because I'm like, oh, like I kind of cheesed, but yeah, I literally missed like the, they had a conveyor belt. So yeah. they, it was like 20 people loading a couple bags at a time. Um, yeah, I earned that thing, and I, I like, I loved every minute of that first class. I was a long flight, and I sat first class. Was it Kuwait straight to America and to? I think it was Kuwait to Germany. Yeah. To right, right to Fort Bragg. From yeah, there, and right? then you're landing on Air Force bases, right? Like you're not. Yeah. You're not yeah, going yeah. to. It was like these. Yeah, it was like these little dinky things. Yeah. When we flew out, it was it was at a commercial airport. Yeah. But um, yeah, this plane landed right. Yeah, you were there. Yep. Landed there. right on the, the flight line. Yeah. But yeah, first class all the way there. Baggage claims sucked, but that was awesome. Cause we, we, I think we were flying back with the. The only reason why that happened is it was like the, the colonel or the major of the eighty second, who with the top big wig. So he looked out for the boys, because I asked everybody else that flew back, they did baggage detail and they didn't get it. They just got crammed in with everybody else. Yeah. And all the big wigs sat up front. Yeah. So all those big wigs that I was on the bus with ended up sitting behind me. That's hilarious. <laughs> I remember doing like one little peek through the curtain back there and they looked so miserable. I mean, I did it on the way there. Yeah. And I just enjoyed my, I mean, it sucks either way, but feeling it laid completely down is awesome. So then you fly back to United States and then you're just chilling in Fort Bragg doing busy work till you get out. Hey, um, no, actually no. Um, so we actually got back. We were like on a rest cycle for a little while. And then the training just cycle just started again. Yeah. Started going out like a couple of days, a week. And then you got married. A couple of weeks. Yeah. So I got married pretty soon after that. That December. So I got married that December. And then we started our training cycle again. Then so you, I jumped a bunch of times. Um, and you had two years left. So that was halfway through. Your deployment was... I had a year a, and a half left. Yeah. After you got married, yeah. Yep. So I had one year to that Christmas and then to that July. Yeah. So I ha- I went to... So after I got back, I went to Louisiana again. I think that, that spring. Yep. Um, yeah, that spring. And then we did a bunch of other training. And then I went to New Jersey in like January, uh-huh. February for winter training. Because that's when... Is that another election? Maybe. I don't know. 2018. Yeah, that was uh, yeah the whatever it's called midterm elections. Yeah, so we thought, everyone thought we were going to Russia, so they went to New Jersey and slept in the snow and trained up there. And then I got hurt on my last few jumps. Yeah, <laughs> I was just like I'm like I have like three left. Just don't get hurt, and it wasn't bad, but like rolled ankles, smashed my ankle, got my arm pulled. Oh, I just sucked. I was so sick of it at that point. Yeah, like, get me out of here. Yeah, I remember you were you were getting pretty sick of the army. Yeah, I was getting pretty miserable. Um, it wasn't terrible. Obviously, you look back with rose colored glasses. But yeah, then it was just coasting out. Um, but yeah. So I guess, with all that being said, do you enjoy? Did you enjoy being in the army? Like all in all. Um, I mean, I don't regret going. And if I like, had to go back in time, I'd probably just do exactly what I did. Yeah. Maybe the better attitude. Um, yeah, I think I enjoyed it. So you li- like you liked getting deployed. That was exciting, right? Yeah, yeah. Everyone, yeah. If you want to get deployed. Right. Everyone. If you join the Army, you want to get deployed. There's some people that don't. Obviously, you know, everyone wants to be in a firefight. And everyone that's been in a firefight says they don't want it. They never wanted to be in one. Yeah. The whole paradox. But 
like I said, dream deployment. Went there, did my medic job, came home. See the cool None of my buddies died, though. Got the t-shirt and went home. Yep. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, okay, it, it, let's say you were 18 years old right now. You know, you are just got out of school, you graduated, whatever. Would you join the military in today's day and age? Yeah, probably. Would you recommend Would you recommend people joining the military? Um, I don't know. Like, if you have somebody who's on the fence, who's like, ah, oh, like, kind of, like, really kind of... Yeah, go do it. Like, Hammond and Han, you'd tell them to do it? Yeah. I mean, four years goes by fast. You only have to do four years. The biggest thing is... So, I, I the reason why I went, I didn't have a plan. I didn't know what I was doing in my life. That It basically gave me some stall time. Yeah. And with an experience. Yeah. And that's what my, my recruiter was, a medic. And he was like, dude... He never told me if it was going to be blast or it was going to be horrible. He just... And I'd, my reaction, my answer would be the same thing. Like, there's going to be days you're going to be like, why did I ever join? Yeah. But then you're going to look at it and be like, it's just like the whole thing about standing on the drill pad. It's like, okay, I don't get any sleep. Then what? Okay, I wake up and eat breakfast. Yeah. Know, like, whatever. You know, the next day is going to come and go. The next day is going to come and go. Yeah, and it's not like the, it pushed your life off. You still got married halfway through it. You had a, a child, right? Yeah, you have... Four day weekends are great, and yeah. any unit other than the eighty second, maybe some other high speed ones, is gonna be even more chill. Yeah, um, more chill than that. And that was even, I mean, I still I went everywhere. We went weekends down places, you know. Yeah, and you got to go to Iraq, which I'll never do. Yeah, a lot of people, life. a lot of people in the army never get to experience that. Um, and I wouldn't promise if you join the eighty second you'd go because up until that point it was pretty dry. Yeah. A lot of the guys when I got there were those four years of them just doing training cycles. Yep. That can make you go miserable. Definitely. <laughs> Even especially the infantry, you know. Yep. And so I would definitely wouldn't join thinking you're gonna go, but I also wouldn't be surprised if you do. I think they might have got deployed to Poland or something. Because they're I guess NATO is moving a bunch of troops in NATO countries to try to just prevent Russia from invading. And I really don't think Russia is going to invade NATO. I wouldn't really call that like, I mean, they are deployed, but you probably not get a, well, you might get a combat patch, but. Yeah. It's not like active firefights going on. Well, I guess neither was we, neither were we, but there were still casualties. Right, but, but you ain't going to go on your local. Um, you know, not gonna go pub down in uh, Baghdad. The Polish, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, you can go into, what's, it, what's the Krakow, Poland? You can go to the, a pub there and be fine. Yeah, exactly. That ain't going to happen in Baghdad. But, yeah, anyways, you know, it's this has been a one of our longest episodes yet at 55, 50, 56 minutes here. So, um, we'll see how people like it, if you guys like it. And you guys want him back on, maybe we'll scam him back on. But... Thank you very much for listening and thank you for having or thanks for coming on Brandon and well we'll, we'll catch you later guys. Yep. Bye. Bye.